tap it in. Welcome back to the Big Players Only Podcast, a partner of the Listen Frederick Podcast Network, and now sponsored by Four Craft Cocktails. Got myself, Ben, Josh, Tyler, Tully, Colin, and Kenny Oneput. We're going to start things off talking about the LIV Golf Tour, the Greg Norman-faced and Saudi-backed golf league that kicks off in just three days. We have a full list of entrants for the event, along with, in the past 24 hours, two incredibly big names just committed to the LIV Tour. So we got a lot to talk about there. Then we'll talk about the feel-good golf movie of the summer. The big players got to preview the Phantom of the Open a couple weeks ago. It comes out in theaters this Friday, June 10th. If you love golf, you're going to love this movie. Make sure you get your tickets. We're going to discuss where we think it falls in the ranks of the greatest golf movies ever made. We'll talk about this past week on the LPGA and PGA Tours as the men wrap up the Memorial at Jack's Place and the women wrap up the U.S. Women's Open at Pine Needles in North Carolina, a course that is so close to our heart that we couldn't have enjoyed any more watching and relating our games to some of the best in the world. We're going to wrap up the episode talking about big player golf in the month of May. we got some guys playing some really good golf right now as we start to heat up heading into the summer. We're all awaiting Dub's return in a few weeks from his broken wrist surgery. Our number two, borderline number one golfer back out on the course. Gotta love it. We also got another big player right now that is playing some mind-boggling golf for the first parts of his rounds and then kind of falling apart as we get toward the end. So we'll talk about that. We'll debunk it and try to get him out there playing his best golf again. Thanks, everyone, for being here. Let's have a great episode. Four Craft Cocktails, the best tasting and easiest drinking transfusion on the market. Whether you're on the course, at a tailgate, or enjoying a Friday night with your friends, you'll find the pre-mixed 7% Four Craft Transfusion, just what you're looking for to mix things up. With a variety of other products, including a Bloody Mary, Ranch Water, and a coming this summer, John Daly, it's the go-to beverage for the big players. A family-owned, all-natural, gluten-free drinking option that has the guys playing their best and feeling even better. You can find all their retail locations at 4craftcocktails.com. That's F-O-R-E, craftcocktails.com. And make sure to mention to your local beer shop and golf course that we need these things everywhere. All right, coming up this week on the 9th Thursday, we have our first live golf event, the Greg Norman-led and Saudi-backed Golf League. We are a little behind on the news. Last week, right after our podcast, we got the list of entrants for the first event. That included Sergio, Taylor Gooch, Louis Oosthuizen, Kevin Na, Poulter, Keimer, McDowell, Charles Schwartzel, Lee Westwood. And then over the past week, we've got really big names in Dustin Johnson and Phil Mickelson committing. Lots of speculation around guys like Ricky Fowler if they're going to commit to the league. Uh, But we got our first event coming up, $25 million purse, 54-hole event, 12 teams with four players on each team. There will be season-long points uh, rewarded to teams and to individual players. Lots of money on the line, lots of really good golfers. What are you guys' thoughts? How's the PGA Tour going to rebound from this? A lot of guys are resigning from the PGA Tour to play on this. So what are you guys' thoughts? Where is the loyalty? You've got two of the top seven guys from the player impact Coming program from last year and DJ and Phil and the, everything that PJ tour has done for them. They're just throwing it right away just to chase some money. I mean, would I do the same thing? Yes. Some but, money, 
It's sum. not a little bit of money. Sum. A yeah. large sum. Dustin you Johnson. S O M E. S U M. Dustin Johnson <laughs> reportedly getting $125 million plus. Inside sources maybe say up to 175 And then Phil getting $200 million just to go play and commit to these nine events. I mean, it is crazy. And money. apparently, Tiger doesn't have a price tag. They offered him. Just shy of a billion, and he turned Unbelievable. it down. Which is absurd. <laughs> like, I think the main question that comes to mind for me is, like, I think that this thing is certainly going to do what we've all been talking about and making golf more fun, having – we talked about there's going to be an air show for this first event. They're going to black black cabin these guys, like, you know, like in dress up, like in suits, like a red carpet to this event. Um, but how are they going to make money on this? I mean, we've literally already probably counted a billion dollars invested into these players for – I really don't know the contract terms, but maybe a season or two. Like, are they going to be able to sustain this? I think the budget they were given was like a three hundred like billion dollar budget for to like to start out to see how it goes. I think they've got plenty of money. I to think go. it was three. It was three hundred million. I, yeah, it was three hundred million. But I think that money's gone. <laughs> yeah, that money is gone quick. Yeah, I just I just don't understand. Like, I mean, they're going to get big. I think that's the that's the big three hundred billion. Like Doctor Evil, one million dollars. I think it might have been. Yeah, how are they going to... I mean, they're going to need to find sponsors, and it's like we've seen RBC drop in Dustin. Like, no one wants to be affiliated with this Saudi-backed money. It's it's going to be so fascinating to see this first week. I mean, they've got everything in their favor right now. I feel like there's just so much buzz. I think expectations are pretty low as far as kind of the quality of product they're going to put out there, but they're trying a lot of different things. So if, if they put on a pretty good event, I think this thing's just going to keep gaining momentum. They're going to start getting actual, like, decent golfers from the PGA Tour. And then the product's just going to keep going up because I think that's the only way this can eventually make money is you have to have the best golfers playing here, right. not just the old washed-up has-beens and Dustin Johnson. <laughs> well, and I think they need those golfers need to play really well this week too to like give them a kickstart. You know, like no one's going to be happy if like Wade Ormsby or Chase Kapka <laughs> wins this week. They want like DJ Sergio, <laughs> Phil, those guys to be at the top. It's this week one. It'll be really interesting to see like what they do on these courses. I think earlier when we talked about it, Ben was saying how like these aren't necessarily like the same highest quality, like the unbelievably difficult courses that, you know, we've seen sometimes on the PGA tour. So maybe one where you have like a lot of fireworks that'll help maybe draw a lot of attention to it. I think like, I think fascinating is the right word. Dub. It's like, is this going to be spectacle or like actual sport? I think that's kind of the thing to ask is like, it's, it, we're all going to, watch it i think well how do we actually watch it is, it's on I think, like youtube yeah. facebook the, and their website yeah they're streaming it on their own website right but it's like we're gonna watch it are we gonna watch it for and maybe this is a question are we gonna watch it to see good golf hopefully or we're we gonna watch it to like see it crash and burn i mean i don't know yeah i think you watch it kind of like know. the reason you watch a you know a car accident or something i mean it's just you watch the carnage. Car it's fascinating. <laughs> maybe nascar is a better up do we have any idea who the commentators are for this yet yeah the main play by play or shot by shot is arlo white who's notorious on the the epl i mean he's the lead broadcaster on the the english premier league so they got him a couple guys have gone from the golf channel and different things yeah, like that so you know no expense has been spared for basically any part of this tournament and I think to your point too about the courses is like they're certainly not getting some of the headline PGA courses, but they have some really good good ones lined up. Like Centurion, the one they're playing this week has hosted many event. They're playing a course up in Portland called Pumpkin Ridge, which is like it's the same course architect that designed uh, the Scottsdale course. They play the Stadium course for the PGA Tour. They're also going to be playing Trump Doral, like some courses, the, the Blue Monster those, or whatever. Yeah, I think so there's, there's two Trump courses on there. Which yeah, so they're going to have some iconic courses, maybe ones that aren't on the PGA Tour, but I think they should have no problem at least relating to the fans. Someone mentioned. 
you know, this wouldn't be great if Wade Ornsby or whoever you said, but at the same time, on the flip side, that could be great. All these guys on the tour playing for a million, $2 million if they win, see some no-name guy win $20 million, they're going to be like, hey, forget this PGA Tour stuff. I'm going over here to the Live Golf because I can win a ton of money pretty easily. Yeah, I think we're starting to get into this world where, like, the traditional golfer probably is, like, not that keen on it, but it's almost like your reputation and your social media likeness is going to get you more opportunities and make you more successful in golf than it historically used to be. And that's, like, I think, uh, well, like, we won't talk about Ricky because Ricky's still on the edge, but when you talk about DJ and Phil, like, who was a bigger get for Liv? Was it DJ or Phil? Because DJ is obviously the better golfer, consistent world number one years ago, still top 15 in the world. Phil's kind of fallen out of the spotlight, but he won the PGA. But Phil is notoriously big in social media and well-known around the world. So I think these guys are necessarily looking for the cream of the crop talent, but guys like Lee Westwood and Sergio Garcia and DJ uh, and Phil, they do what, what Ken says, and they put butts in seats. <laughs> yeah, I really think that if they can – their big issue right now is obviously like their image, and obviously Phil's fallout isn't going to really help that anymore. So otherwise, he would have 100% been that that guy. I think DJ also has his own issues in terms of <laughs> uh, you know, historical things going on there. So, like, I know we're not going to talk about Ricky too much because he's kind of backed away from some of his comments, but someone that has that just brand recognition that is only really just positive other than maybe ability, uh, like, I think that is really going to turn it entirely for them. So I know, like, another person that's been rumored is Bubba Watson, who is huge on, like, social media and, like, TikTok and all that kind of stuff that would just draw audiences and once be people are watching that'd be surprising stop if he ultimately did it you think you think he's ultimately going to do it I, gonna, I think if you see something like i think phil came out today he's like i still want i'm still going to play in all the majors and as long as they don't kind of backtrack off it i won't be surprised at all if you see like a bubba watson make that jump because you know he's already knows he can go play in the masters for the rest of his life i think bubba just had like knee surgery or something so mm-hmm. regardless of whether he commits or not maybe he doesn't have to but he's going to be out for a while regardless you think sergio is a pretty big get too i mean internationally like you could you could make the argument that he is even bigger than I mean someone like DJ even like right I mean Sergio has a huge international following I mean for he, he literally represents an entire country like Spain yeah. has I mean John Rom, but John Rom kind of like a, a transplanted American going to ASU and living here but yeah Sergio is probably one of the most recognizable golfers from the European DP World Tour well and that's the thing about this too is like you really have to look at this from an international lens because you know we're used to looking at everything you know as yeah. living in the United States and this really is a product for the whole world, not just in the United States. So some of these, you know, guys, like we just said, Charles Schwartzel, Lee Westwood, Sergio Garcia, you know, maybe aren't, don't carry the same weight around here in the States, but they're huge, you know, especially they're playing in London this week and, you know, around the world too. I do think that the team aspect of this is going to what is is what is going to make it exciting because regardless if it's Wayne Ormsby or DJ with a putt on 18 for a team event to win something like teams generally you know they're not all superstars right like you look at like NBA teams and you got Steph and Clay but you got Jordan Poole and these guys filling yeah, in Jordan Poole's a superstar <laughs> yeah they kind of they fill in but I mean when jo- if Jordan Poole Jordan Poole right Jordan Poole makes a three pointer to win the world you know the the NBA championship like that's just as exciting as Steph, as if Steph makes it so yeah. I think that these guys their level they kind of rise with the creams at the top it'll be really interesting like because they are doing the shotgun start sort of thing which will maybe take away from the environment that you could have had like 
you know, the other three people on that team, like being on the 18th green, waiting and watching, like to see that unfold, yeah. which might be a mistake, but that may be something they change in that team championship. Like you think about it too, right? Like with the NCAAs, because that's like one of our more recent match play examples is like, you know, you, you see teams like Pepperdine and they have like two or three really good kids, but they also have a couple kids that you probably never heard of, but coming down 18, whoever's got the putt to win, like it's for the team. It's for the, you know, so it doesn't really matter who it is. Well, speaking of that, that's a, a couple of the last champ, uh, NCAA champions are in live now. Now, right there's like the 2021 champion 2019 yeah, champion right? usam james pyatt is yeah is committed which is ridiculous because he's not he's not even on the pga tour yeah, yet, he just turned pro like yeah this i think he year, went to right? michigan state and now he's just like leaving for live to make money so they'd be more of a pipeline directly from like college and amateur to live basically that's a really good point too because right we talked about that earlier on the season and the pga tour made commitments to making like the pip list to try and get their players more money and then the corn ferry increasing the purses and stuff like that but if you see this thing really start to succeed and then them capturing some of the young talent and watching them grow, that could be like the light, the lifeblood of this of this uh, this entire. Oh yeah, tour. I mean, with these amateurs, you got to make the. I mean, you got to look at it like, do you want to play on the Corn Ferry Tour and grind your way to get a PJ Tour card, living a pretty rough life, you know, really grinding away, having to practice all the time for a shot to make the PGA Tour, or do you just want to go straight to this league, cash in a bunch of money, and kind of guarantee yourself and your family kind of a a pretty solid income starting out. Yeah, but kind of to counter that point, I think we've kind of established that there is this whole draft format. There's only 48 people or whatever that's going to be in the field, and they have to get picked onto a team. So I think after, you know, after we see maybe some of those bigger names, as, you know, we talked about, you know, Hornsby or whatever the hell his name was, you know, get, getting that first win. Yeah, and then Tiger all of a sudden, the front man. For the <laughs> all of a sudden, you know, you know, you see maybe a Ricky or Rory or someone else that feels like they're better than these guys go over there and play. And then all of a sudden, all these lower guys that are going to try to do that, they're just not going to get picked. Well, I, th- I think as an amateur, though, I think the repercussions are lower because you're not on the PJ Tour. You've never been. So when you know, that situation happens. I think it's a little easier to come back and say with your tail between your legs, like, okay, I'm going to go, I'm going to go make a run at this now. So I think Tully mentioned that's kind of the big news right now. So as we've seen live kind of develop and now we got an entrance list and we know all the guys playing tomorrow is this draft. So we'll have 12 captains likely to be, I don't know if they'll be the 12 best players, but they'll probably be the 12 most iconic players. And it'll be a snake draft, just like you do with any other fantasy sport. And they'll pick their, their team of four to compete that week. And we'll have, you know, the, the team points count for the season as well as individual points for, I mean, like $50 million of money just yeah. for individual and team and then $25 million each week. I mean, it is just crazy money for these guys. Is that Do we know if that's going to be televised or anything? Or the, uh, I haven't the seen draft? anything for the coverage of that, the but I would imagine they'll put something on their website. On their website. We yeah. should look out for that. Yeah. We should. I can't imagine it's not going to be televised. It'll probably be, I mean, I really think this thing has a chance if it is electric and fun to watch because you're right, like week to week, the PGA Tour can really be pretty mundane. But if this thing is like bringing these guys in black cabs and flying over airplanes every single tournament and it's just a spectacle, it's going to be a lot, a lot of fun to watch. It worked for the Lakers, so why can't it work for this? I mean... Uh, wait, can we talk about, before we move on, can we talk about the Grayson Murray, Kevin Na beef? <laughs> this is really funny. I think it's so it's funny. Relevant. Like, he, this guy, Grayson Murray, what does he tell you? Like 530 something, something like on that. the tours, attacking Kevin Na for like just being a slow player in general, I guess. I guess they just don't like each other. But Kevin Na is now leaving for the PJ Tour and Grayson Murray tweeted like, basically, good riddance. Like, we don't need you. All of our rounds just got 20 minutes faster as like, I'm sure the PJ Tour really appreciates Grayson Murray standing up for them. Like maybe they should be trading him for. Kevin yeah, I think Hawk. he may have made it to the U.S. Open qualifying. Yeah, this he is playing well. I mean, Grayson Murray's like, 
to that point, he is ranked really low, but he was kind of an upcoming player, like I'd say three years ago, and he's still a decent golfer, but this beef that him and Na have had has probably been going on for a year or two about slow play because, I mean, I don't think I have anything against Kevin Na, but I think slow play is like, it is just like awful for golf and it's, it's terrible to watch and they do a really good job trying to make sure they don't televise it. But yeah, Kevin Na is playing in like a twosome on Championship Sundays, playing in five-hour rounds. Like, it's unbelievable. But him and him and Grayson Murray's beef is really funny because you're right. Grayson, pretty irrelevant. Kevin Na in a position where you can just say, F you, PGA Tour, I'm done with you. I'm going to go play on live. And then Grayson has the audacity to reach out to him like, see you, brother. I can't wait till this all <laughs> spins and Grayson Murray. He's like 29 years old at this point. You know, not really a PGA Tour staple by any means. It all turns and they just become the biggest rivalry at live golf. It's Imagine Grayson. I could see it. I mean, guy like Grayson would yeah he's got a decent Twitter following yeah. kind of thing right social media so he could definitely end up on live all right cool that does it for our live section we'll be back in a second to talk about the feel-good golf movie of the summer the Phantom of the Open Right, the big players had the pleasure of pre-screening the movie, The Phantom of the Open, what we're calling the feel-good golf movie of the summer. The main actor, Maurice Flitcroft, also known as Gerard Hoppy, Arnold Palmtree, James Bojali, and Count Manfred Van Hoffmanstel on his quest to play in and win the Open Championship. An absolutely hilarious film. But he goes out for like seven or eight opens trying to qualify. It's, an abs- it's a great movie. I think we all enjoyed it. What are you guys' thoughts on the movie? It was... It was such a fun watch, really, is what it was. Like, it's a story I don't think anybody here had ever actually heard or read about or anything like that before. And it, the fact that it was a true story just kind of like blew you away and like his brings you in. Like, you just want to root for the guy. Well, I think the main, yeah. the underlying theme for me that really is like this guy, he's like never played golf before. He goes out for the open, right? It's literally us on every first tee. Like, today is going to be the day that we shoot the round of our life. This guy steps on the first tee with other golfing pros, striping at 300 down the middle, and he just like tops his first tee shot. And he's like, that's all right. We'll recover from that. That's literally all of us. Except without the positive ads. It's, yeah. it's just so funny that he's sitting in his, his living room watching golf. Or watching the previous Open Championship. One of the three channels on his TV. Yeah. Yeah. And then all, he's just like, I'm going to go win the Open. Like, I mean, just I'm can you it. imagine nowadays, like, somebody thinking, I've never played golf before. I'm just going to go out there. And, it wouldn't happen nowadays. It <laughs> because of him, that That's is no longer an option, actually. And his, like, quest to learn the game is so funny. Like, oh, okay, I guess i got to order clubs now. Like, I'm just going to show up to this country club, and none of these people <laughs> want to play with me. How do I get in? He's, like, hiding in the trees trying to get yeah. in the country club. So I guess the storyline is kind of like he works at this shipyard. They're probably going to have layoffs, it looks like, in the near future. So all these guys are brainstorming on what are they going to do with their lives if they lose their jobs. And some guys are like, I'm going to make a bar. I'm going to do this. And then Maurice Flickcroft says, I'm going to go play golf. I'm going to play in the open. Yeah, and I think it, what what really kind of struck me out is kind of like fills a big gap in the whole like golf movie spectrum that mm. is out there. Like, cause yeah, there's a there's a lot of like funny like completely fake stuff that's out there. You got your Happy Gilmore's, your your Cash Act. You got your decent that are obviously you know completely made up. Your Tin Cup, your Bagger Vance. And then you've got your like greatest game ever played. That is more the true story. It's, stuff. it's a true story, right. but it's very T- serious. Piece and this kind of lets you kind of look at that other side of golf, like the just more that we're all experiencing out on the course, yeah. rather than you know, okay, I'm actually gonna go out and win successfully win a championship. I think this has a chance to you know be a rewatchable 
sports flick, right? You know, it's, I, I think like if we see it, like, you know, I hope it does well in theaters. I don't know what the release is in the U.S. and abroad, but I think like, you know, if this comes on Golf Channel in the off hours or uh, comes on like, you know, TNT five years from now, I'm going to tune in, like put on for 30 minutes. I think for it's sure. like, there's not that many good golf movies out there. There's maybe six, seven good ones, and this could be in the top 10. It was fun coming, it was fun coming into this one just because I knew absolutely nothing yeah. about yeah. the storyline coming in. It's not like some, I don't know if any golf movies are blockbuster movies, but it's not like I saw the trailer 15 times over and mm-hmm. over as I'm watching other events and kind of already know the storyline. You came into this one and it was just, what am I watching? It's yeah. like those first couple minutes of the movie, you're just sitting there trying to figure out what are we about to get into? What is the movie? <laughs> How are we getting to golf to from this? Yeah, it is pretty it, British filmed. It definitely has yeah. like that British humor. But yeah. it has like a lot of really well-known British, like Academy Award nominated British yeah. actors. Like it's maybe more well-known to people in the UK than us, but yeah. yeah. Yeah, once you kind of figured out what you were watching, you just kind of sat back and relaxed and watched it and enjoyed it for what it was. I thought it was a great movie. It was a lot of fun. Well, well not, not to give anything away. We're not, I'm not going to give away any spoilers here, but like you watch it and you're like, well, where's this guy's game going to go? Is he going to be really good or is he going to just suck? And I, I won't give that away. But I think there's sincerely kind of a point the, in this movie where yeah, you're like, is this guy going to get good? And yeah, you, know, yeah, you, don't you know, think yeah. this is that random guy that definitely is going to win it all at some point. <laughs> yeah. So That's I think teaser, from, I from the movie, who was who were your guys' favorite actor? I would say that the main actor, Maurice Flickcroft, he's absolutely hilarious. He has that kind of humor where he literally never smiles, but he's absolutely hilarious. But I think like it's dry British humor. He has this dichotomy with his three sons. He has like the two sons that live at home that are his, and then he has kind of his his stepson, uh, and the stepson kind of like bashes heads with him. And, and I love I love that dichotomy between the three of them. I I really enjoyed the uh, the twin brothers or yeah, whatever the, uh, the the disco the, they're the professional they're the disco dancers they were. <laughs> They were like a comedic relief that wasn't golf related kind of thing. It wasn't like you were laughing at him because wow, you shanked a shot or something just like absurd. that. You were just laughing at them because like their kind of cluelessness to the world kind of thing. Well, yeah, he steps up to the first tee and his son's caddying for him. He's like, "What? I don't hit my driver well. Give me my five. <laughs> my five. He's like, "Oh, I left that in the car." <laughs> <laughs> well, I think too about like his son. He wants his sons to be disco dancers. Like I think Maurice Flickcroft is this perfect relief from from the normal world, and he just says like, you know, shoot for the stars, do what you want, do what you love, and I think that's kind of the whole theme of the entire movie. Definitely, and like I think it's it's. It's so different than what you really see in the golf world, where it's all like buttoned up. It's he's very relaxed, and you'll def- if you get a chance to watch it, we highly encourage it because you'll see basically that side. It's almost like you getting that chance to go play like a really nice course, but you're also going to be boozing with your boys, kind of situation where you're a little more free out there. And I think too, not to give away spoilers, right? But at the end of this movie, there really is a feel good vibe to it. He has he is a, a relative success story, Maurice Flickcroft. It might not be in golf, it might be elsewhere, but it really is a really enlightening and a, a fun movie at the end. A must watch for sure. Absolutely. So in theaters this Friday, June 10th, make sure you go see it. Uh, we'll be back in a second to talk about LPGA and PGA Tour from this past week. All right, Minji Lee taking home a $1.8 million first place prize at Pine Needles this week. The women's or the U.S. Women's Open. Biggest purse ever in LPGA Tour history. An absolute, she, she, she killed the field. She won by four strokes. I mean, I think it was a little bit closer. She ends up like bogey in the 18th hole, but it was a runaway victory. The big players absolutely enjoyed the tournament this week, seeing a course that we played. It was so nice to relate to some of the holes and seeing some of the shots. And 
you know, the slopes on TV certainly don't give it any credit. Like that fourth hole, that par four up the hill, it's something like 40 feet from the fairway up to the green on TV. It looks like it's like 10 feet. Um, I had a lot of fun watching the greens and the course played really hard on Sunday. Uh, what were you guys' thoughts on the on the tur- on the tournament? Yeah, I was kind of surprised with this because I definitely found myself watching this so much more than like having and being way more vested in this than the memorial. I don't know how much was because of the uh, the fact that we've played there before, or just the fact that I think this course was more like fun, unique to see on TV compared to Muirfield, like because it just had so much more going on. This is the first time I've really fully like vested myself in a week of like women's golf for like four straight well, days. How many, how many texts do you think we sent? We probably sent what. 500 texts about women's golf this week and 10 about men's golf. Yeah. Essentially when Billy won, we texted. Yeah, but yeah. It's also ironic too, because I think the Memorial is actually a really big tour event, right? It, it was is. Like, it's huge. The purse was 12 million. The women's purse this week was only 10. Like that's another discussion, but this was a tournament that just got completely, uh, you know, shadowed by the, the LPGA event this week. Yeah, right. definitely the most fun I've had watching a golf tournament, maybe a little bit of recency bias here, but outside of the masters, I mean, Watching a professional tournament at a course we've played at recently, and you know, especially everybody together, we could reminisce on all the shots we hit on each hole, all the shit we hit it into, and kind of see these women play out of some of these uh, precarious situations. All the tee boxes we did shotguns on. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. You guys yeah. were saying, like, this is one that Tully stuck it on. I had zero recollection. That <laughs> was after the shotgun. And we had a man on the ground, too. Matt was there. That's true, yeah. yeah, yeah we did have big player faithful Matt, our buddy that lives in Pinehurst, went to the, the Friday round, got to follow Daniel Kang, Lexi, got to see Lindblad playing with uh, Annika Sorenstam, lots of great stuff. I, he might have been a bit of a jinx, though. As soon as he started Dan- following Daniel Kang, I think she tripled the first hole that he was sending us pictures <laughs> Well, from. let me give her a break. She has a tumor That's on an her spine right now. Like, what the yeah, hell Danielle Kang there? playing this week with a tumor on her spine and then noticeably showing back pain. I mean, and she grinded it out, I think, because this was like one of the first events or her grandmother or something went to this event to follow her so there was no chance she wasn't going to play but yeah what a grinder she kind of looked checked out especially after that those that three hole stretch where she went like six over or whatever it was but i mean it was unbelievable the fact she was able to make the cut and still like grind i mean she, i was watching her on saturday and sunday she was playing well i mean she was birdieing holes still like well she was one of the feature groups too on friday and i remember she had i think she had like a 30 footer on number eight because they teed off their back nine on nine and I think she thought she had to make that that putt to get to two over which is where they thought the cut was going to be but then the course just continued to play tougher as the week went on and she slid in at three over and was yeah one of the early early groups out on Saturday so yeah we get to watch like all of her all of her tournament yeah also uh you know talking about injury Nelly Corda plays in her first round in four months or so and gets a top 10 I mean she looked like she hasn't skipped a beat at all you know a little bit of rust I think with the putter but she hit the ball really well it was a lot of fun to see her out there Playing well, interacting with the fans, and definitely got a lot of buzz going for this tournament. Not to mention the swag of that uh, that shooter sleeve. Yeah, it did look pretty cool. (laughs) Her swing looked as good as ever, I agree. I mean, she was in contention. It's just Minji. Minji went and just, she just clobbered this course. I mean, shooting 13 under at a course where I think the previous record was like six under, and I think she kind of like really put it into third gear on the back nine on Sunday and was just kind of coasting. Yeah, it was kind of really disappointing on, really, not to jump ahead here too much, but both, both events going on, it was pretty much a runaway there wasn't too much drama on either side which kind of took it away but it did allow the boys to go out meet Connell's new dog that was pretty exciting <laughs> yeah check out our instagram new reel for thunder i think someone else i was really watching in this tournament we watched uh, the ncaa championships and then the augusta national women's amateur ingrid Lindblad, who was the number two ranked amateur behind rose zhang uh just absolutely killed it at this tournament set the 18 hole 36 hole and 54 hole records for the u.s women women's open she got to play with annika sorenstam 
one of her idols growing up, both Swedish in the first two rounds, and then got to play with Jin Young Ko, the world number one, in round three. And she just looked so poised. I mean, she hits the ball a mile. And I think I read that she was something, maybe up until the 18th hole on Sunday, like 50 for 50 for putts inside five feet, which I think we can all sympathize is so hard around that course. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's crazy. And like you said, the biggest thing there is she played her first two rounds with her idol. I mean, that's like... A lot of these guys on the PGA Tour playing with Tiger Woods when they're an amateur. And she goes out there. I think she had the first-round lead. Yeah, shot five mm. under until until Just Harry playing died. some great yeah. golf in front of, you know, arguably the best female golfer of all time. So so really fascinating to see. I mean, some of these amateur uh, females out there playing are, are definitely going to be a force to reckon with coming in the next couple of years. I think playing with Annika and then playing that well means that she's going to be around for a long time. And Annika made comments about how she kind of has this this killer personality and she can zone things out. I think we we definitely might be watching what might be another top, you know, a number one world golfer. And uh, <clears throat> I was looking up uh, Anna Davis missed the cut, but shot a seventy two on the second day. So be looking out for her too. Yeah, lots of really talented amateurs in the field. I mean, we know that women's golf is always pretty young. Um, and then coming up this week, too, we have the the Curtis Cup, which is the the junior or amateur Solheim Cup. So lots of really talented college and amateur golfers. So make sure to keep an eye out for that, too. So, Ben, you mentioned world number one. Uh, this was my first time I actually, like, sat down and committed to watching women's golf for, like, the, the entire day. And I was so impressed with Jin Young Ko. I mean, she's such a beast out there like golf wise she plays such a boring style she's probably not the most fun to watch but just to appreciate her talent of striping it down the fairway hitting the green to putting i mean you can't get any better than that that's like how golf's supposed meant to be played like she just doesn't get into any trouble it was so funny listening to commentators because like you just said she doesn't get into trouble and they kept bringing up the weakness in her game is because she can't play out of trouble because she's never in trouble. No practice. And, you know, if trouble, I yeah. if I look at my own golf game and relate to that, it's <laughs> like strength in your game. I'm not good at playing out of the fairways because I'm never in the fairways. It's kind of like the uh, synonymous uh, factor there. So you're saying you're just as good as Jin Young Ko? No, it's the exact opposite. And I think Jin Young Ko, too, sometimes lives in the shadow or had lived, lived in the shadow for the past year of Nelly Korda because she was playing unbelievable golf. But don't forget that Jin Young Ko set a record for hitting something like 62 straight greens in regulation, winning two straight tournaments. I think the longest Tiger ever hit was 20 greens in a row. I mean, just that is just magnificent. Oh. Yeah, Can you hit three yet? Uh, no, but I've gotten two a couple times. Ken does have a personal, a personal hey, that's our next Talk challenge people, series. Uh, can Ken hit three, three greens in a row? row. <laughs> multiple, multiple times that I've been on the course recently, I've been like, wait, I think I just hit two. And then I just completely And then the pressure off. just cracks. <laughs> I can relate to the I'm collapsing under pressure there, Ken. Cool. So a really great week at Pine Needles. Uh, we hope to see them back there soon. We should have men's and women's open in Pinehurst. I think it's something like 2029 or something like that. But that'll be a heck of a week. We'll definitely be joining in for that one. Uh, the women compete at the ShopRite Classic in New Jersey this coming up week. And then we have a pretty cool event in the DP World Tour, uh, the old European Tour, and the LET, the ladies' European Tour, the Scandinavian Mixed. You'll see my girl, Ingrid Lindblad, playing with a, a fellow a fellow Sweden a person, and that should be a lot of fun. Well, just a little bit more about this event. It's so cool because the men and women are playing the same course, the same days. I think they just play different tees, but it's, you know, all of them in the field together. So it's that true crossover event that we always talk about wanting to see on the PGA Tour and the LPGA Tour. So really cool format. Excited to see what happens this weekend. There's a lot of fun. I remember watching the leaderboard last year, and it was, yeah, top 10 was just littered with, with men and women. I think I think a, a male won the event last year. But moving the tees up and then watching, you know, a woman play from 120 yards, and that's her pitching wedge, and then watching a guy play from 150, that's his pitching wedge, closest to the pin competition, it's always a lot of fun to watch.
So Billy Horschel takes home the Memorial Jacks tournament this week. Again, a tournament I think a lot of us didn't tune into a ton. I think we saw the end, uh, kind of like Minji running away with it. Billy, Billy kind of ran away with the tournament. Um, but Jacks, of course, always proves to be super difficult. Some crazy scores on Sunday. Our boy Cam Smith shoots like six over or something like that. Some other some other notable golfers really putting up some high numbers. Um, I saw another golf podcast. I don't remember who it was. But they were literally uh, filming anyone that got in the left rough on 18. And Max Home ended up there and quite literally like top to six iron out of the rough because the rough is like four inches and in thick so what do you guys uh what are our thoughts from this week at the memorial yeah i mean like you said i don't think we all watched it too too much we were focusing on that that major on the lpga but i i like that you point out the the thick thick rough like it, i love that we got to kind of see a little tease of that before going into the u.s open but i mean otherwise i mean it was great to kind of see billy billy you know he's a fan favorite here gator chomp getting that win he was nobody so, does it better but he's been so close like throughout like earlier on in the season it was kind of nice to see him get across that he had his whole family there it was kind of fun to watch i think billy has that game that can kind of transcend any course right he's just a really great ball striker he hits really he's really great off the tee and then when he he does that little creep in thing with his putter but his putter gets hot he's kind of that guy that could easily win any time yeah and i think the other thing i kind of saw was interesting it was pointed out how like last we have obviously the President's Cup coming up, and you know we're getting close to kind of where we're going to have to cut off those lines. But like a lot of the people that are up there, Billy Billy, you know, wasn't on the uh, Ryder Cup team last year, and then you've got Sam Burns, Cam Young, all these people. So I think it's going to be really interesting, especially as we see these people win. Like where that's going to shake out, and I think that's that's my biggest storyline coming out of this. Is Davis Love also the the captain for the President's Cup because he was for the Ryder Cup? I believe he is. He's going to have whoever it is is going to have a ton of tough decisions. You're right because you look at our Ryder Cup team that absolutely dismantled the European team in, in what was I think the largest victory ever past like 1930. He's got like six up and coming kids that absolutely you got to try to give them a chance because you don't know who's going to be the next star. Yeah, but then you have a team that just dominates. And and it's, it's a really that tough, tough little. Those captain's picks are going to be rough. I think you got guys like and it's tough. Like a guy like Colin Morikawa is probably going to auto qualify, but he's not been playing great golf. And then you look at a guy like Cam Young who has just been like top ten, top ten. Davis Riley, top 10, top 10. These are guys that you think, man, get them while they're hot kind of thing. Yep. So does he not have to worry about uh, Dustin Johnson playing in the President's Cup? Some is, of those guys? Ooh, I mean, that'll be, what, that'll be really interesting, interesting if yeah. guys who went to live golf are now disqualified from the President's Cup. Yeah. That fall, it should be fun. Nice. And then coming up this week, we have the RBC Canadian, uh, an event that I remember Rory shooting like 62 on the final day, like three, uh, years, like three ago. years ago, and then winning by like winning by like five shots. It was just an absolutely amazing round of Big Rory fan, we know, but uh, he's defending. Oh, really? Too. Uh, he won. Oh, so he's won it multiple times. Yeah, no, he's only won it the one time, but it's the first time uh, we're seeing this event uh, since COVID. Even though it's also like the third oldest, like continuously running tournament behind only the Open Championship wow, so and the two U.S. Years. Open. We but haven't COVID, seen it for two like, years. Yeah, wow, it's kind of interesting there. That's Canadians for you. <laughs> We also have, so we have Scotty Sheffer Sorry in the field. Sorry to our Canadian listeners. We love you. <laughs> Cam Smith. Yeah, we'll check that heat map. Sam Burns, Justin Thomas. I mean, these guys account for 11 wins on tour this season, so we've got plenty of talented field. Dubby, tell us about this new spectator spot on 18. Yeah, so so we've talked at a couple mm-hmm. of the past tournaments. I think RBC Heritage is the first one that comes to mind where, you know, the the views of 18 are blocked because they have these grandstands. Well, I think they're trying to solve that problem here. They have a crane suspended 100 feet in the air. 22 patrons can sit in a makeshift, I don't even know how to describe it, a a room or a bar that's just suspended over the 18th hole. 
I think you're up there for 30 minutes or something. So I wonder if you're allowed to drink on that. Yeah, if, if you're drinking too much and have to go to the bathroom, I think you're a little screwed. <laughs> you got to be tethered uh, in on that, right? Probably pretty great views from up no there. Way. It's like, it's like the when, when the kids are no going up going on, on that thing. When the kids are going up the roller coaster, like I don't want to be here anymore. <laughs> There's a zero. I got to pee. Yeah, when Tully, Tully hits his flop shot on 18, there I think I'm going to get hit in the shins or something. <laughs> but it's like it's not even. It's like on a crane. It's not even like on like a scaffolding. It's like if it's if, it, if too many people are on one side, it's going to tilt the other. It'll be direction. interesting to see if they like. It's a windy day, and they're like, well. Yes, you like get on. What, what do you weigh? All right, you sit there. Right? You sit there. <laughs> Goddamn airline. Wait, you're also only up there for 30 minutes. Like, okay. well, how long do you want to be up there? Well, I mean, like, okay, that gives you enough time to see what, like, one or one. two groups come yeah. through. Like, oh yeah, like two guys hit it in the rough and yeah. they parred the hole. Sick. That was I wonder great. how much it's they count the of the like you're going up. Like, is that count towards the 30 time. minutes while they're three minutes to get up there? Yeah. And your time starts now. <laughs> I would love to see this fail, honestly. I mean, it fail. Someone, uh, yeah, you mean just imagine like dropping your phone. We're tuning in for a disaster, right? Yeah. But no, I mean, we dog the PGA Tour all the time about, you know, not innovating, not trying anything new. This and this is like this a complete yeah, okay. 180 from the traditional grandstands. And, you know, it may not work, but at least they're trying something unique and different to give the fans a better experience. Well, I like how they say 20, 20 people, they will be strapped in. They literally will be strapped in. Like, this is like a amusement park ride. I was about to say, you're going to see a Ferris wheel between two holes next yeah. time. That would be yeah. sick. That would be sick. That actually would be pretty cool. That'd be probably a better idea. Than this. Sounds like you're just describing a mini golf course. <laughs> it's a guy on the Ferris wheel. Keep my wife's name out your mouth. Two, I think, too, what's ironic about this is the one event that we noted the grandstands were just an eyesore was also an RBC event. And now we got another RBC event that has a skyline view. So pretty cool stuff. Yeah, I mean, I'd like to see this this tournament kind of get back up. I feel I was reading about it before, and it actually has like a pretty like prestigious like history because it's so old that it used to like have its own like Grand Slam kind of thing. If you won this Open, you won the U.S. Open, you're winning the Open on every like every continent that had it at the time. So it'd be, I would like to see like this get some more attention. I hope you know somehow we do this. This is one of the few tournaments Jack never won, so you know it'd be kind of interesting to kind of see that kind of bolster back up again well, i think too about like national championships i'm not sure if this is considered like canada's national championship it, it is. i would assume it is like, we got to see john rom win the mexico open right which was his first year on the pga tour and it's considered like the longest standing most prestigious mexican event i mean seeing this be the canadian event i mean i like seeing these countries kind of re-cement themselves into the pga tour yeah so they do a whole thing like there's a like a certain qualification for like top canadian golfers and then there's like a special trophy regardless of who wins that's for like the top canadian finisher that is named after like the original trophy from like when it started back in like the early 1900s. I mean, we were talking about this. I mean, I think Canadian golf is kind of up and coming. Mackenzie Hughes, Corey Connors, we've seen historically like Graham Dillette. They got a lot to be proud of. Adam Hadwin. First Adam Hadwin won last yep. week. That was pretty electric. Cool. All right. We'll be back in a second to talk about big player golf in the month of May. Right, it was a good month of May. The big players had their annual golf trip to Ocean City. We also had a great we, a great month in the league. We're really heating up. We got some good golf we're playing. Um, I guess uh, me, Colin, Tully, and then hopefully Dub soon, like we talked about with his broken wrist, all league players. Uh, we got to play Worthington Manor uh, this past Saturday outside of the league. We played Maryland National, and then we play Musket Ridge every week. 
Um, I want to start with Telly. Telly, I think you're the hot topic here. Your game has been so hot and cold. Wow. You started to round off a couple weeks ago. You were three under through four as the traditional like 15 handicap. Unbelievable stuff. Don't finish the round quite on the high note that you started it. But, man, I think there's a lot to build from there. Yeah, my game is in just the most inconsistent level of consistency ever. Like, I am great great at starting rounds. Like you mentioned, I had three under through four holes and managed to then collapse for the nine-hole score for the league and shot a 43. So that's 10 over through the remaining five holes for me there. And then it's just this past weekend when we were playing uh, um, at Muskie Ridge, two over through six at Worthington to then go ahead and shoot a 44 on the front nine, and then at Maryland National, through six holes, I'm just shooting double bogeys or birdies the entire time to play bogey golf, and it's just, it's really kind of frustrating. Like, I'm kind of losing the positive aspects to my game in terms of mentally. So, of, like, so there's no in terms of mentally? Three under through four with almost yeah. with a hole in one, you're losing Collapse. mental? Collapse. Though. Losing my mental. What's, what's the problem here, Tully? Let's diagnose this. Let's fix you. What, what, do, what do you need? to do to be able to kind of follow up some of these good scores early on in the round. I mean, I would have said it was something to do with the alcohol because through the three under through four, once my beer, I didn't have, I had one beer and then I was out the of beer. The beer to birdie ratio went over one. Well, <laughs> see, I had one beer and it was, it was, everything was fine. And then I was out of beer because I was a kind soul and shared with Colin and then my game collapsed oh, once so I was sober. So now we're, yeah, we're no, displacing I, blame on Colin. No, I'm faulting my generosity as the issue here. And then I don't know what the other yeah, Worthington was playing fucking brutal that day. So I think I think what you're going through is kind of I remember going through this in college. Like me and Matt both, we'd have like good front nines and then kind of get to the back nine and start to think about, you know, what if I place in this tournament? Like I'm gonna get a trophy or something like that. I'm gonna be able to go back to school and say I shot a good round and then you kinda of fall apart. I really started and I think you should try it like taking on the mentality of like and it's hard it takes practice but like really trying not to think about your score and just taking every shot like if I'm hitting my fourth shot out of the fairway trying to get up and down for bogey like in my mind I'm really trying to just think about this the next shot is the most important shot I'm just not worried about the it score It doesn't help when we're sitting there and you your father and Colin are all like oh he's on fire what do you think he's going to shoot today he's going to win the league you here gotta today tune out, yeah. baby. you got to hey. tune out the noise. Just I was, I was telling you not think about it. I was offering to be your caddy. It is Larry. Yeah, I do think help. that Larry's the culprit here. Oh, I think God. he's the ultimate monster. Yeah, instigator. <laughs> that piece of There's shit. There's definitely an art to learning how to shoot a really good round. I mean, like Ben said, I mean, when you're first at that point where you're several under and you're you're immediately that fast. That was the first time I was ever at that point. You're, that you're immediately fast forwarding to like, holy shit, what if I finish this at a 34 and... You know, I, my whole golf game is going to take off, and I'm going to be the best player in the group from now on. And no and part of me thought then that. Then it starts, you know, setting in, and you start trying to do too much. All I was thinking was, I'm going to go into this clubhouse, and there'll be this sandbagging son of a bitch, and I'm getting shit on the whole time. <laughs> well, I think to kind of counter that, Tully, is at Worthington last week, I started the round off hitting the first three greens and having two three putts and two over through three. And I think I could have easily checked out, right? And then I go birdie eagle, and all of a sudden I'm back in it. Like, like yes. it has nothing to do with like. I mean, I know I'm a good golfer. Nice but casual flex. Yeah, we didn't want to talk about it. Three greens in a row. eagle albatross. I think it's. I think it's the exact same thing that Telly's going through. It's like whether you're playing bad or playing good, you just got to tune it out and go on to the next shot. Anyways, we're we're in summer scramble season. That's really what I'm here for. That's what I'm excited. I got I got three scrambles already planned for June. None of you guys wanted to participate, so hopefully we get some with the boys here. I'm not tournament worthy, so I, I work I during the ignore, week. I just ignore all those. Things. You have time off, Tyler. Just use a day. It is tough when Dub and I go to scrambles because last one we went to, I think we shot like 19 under, and then we just get all these terrible looks when we get in the clubhouse. <laughs> yeah. Like no, we didn't we didn't even use all of our mulligans, guys. <laughs> yeah. 
that was a fantastic event because we it was the first time we ever played and it's a really it was a really small one that like one of my friends had like oh you guys should come play in it we're boozing at the uh the local brewery beforehand and go yeah, right day. right to the tournament and win by like eight strokes, and they're like, "Who the hell are these guys?" I think that should be the move for our group going forward. Is when we walk back in after a good performance, we turn back in our unused power balls, our unused <laughs> and just kind of rub it in a little bit more. Let's back up a little bit. I think there was a big match at Maryland National this weekend. What what was the dynamics? Who was playing? Yeah, Maryland National was great. So yeah, it was uh, me and Tully versus Tyler and a friend of the pod, Chuck. Uh, I think me and Tully gave him gave him four aside. We got off to like a bit of an early lead, but by the time we came down the stretch, drinks were flowing. I was going for every yeah. single green, trying to drive it, go for par fives. I think we only won one up. It was really a great match. So is yeah. Chuck looking better than Colin right now, or what, what's going on? I got to give ah. Chuck. I got to give Chuck some props. <laughs> Maybe so, if I give him five strokes yes. again. So for all our <laughs> Listeners, you'll recall Chuck and Colin had kind of like one of the better matchups at our annual golf trip. Father-son matchup. Father-son matchup, right? It's a tradition. Who's the father? Who's the son? Colin is the father. Ken, and Ken's also the stepdad. We'll get to that later. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of, it's a complicated it's relationship. Is he taking out for Father's yeah, Day to play a match? But I think really like in, in previous years, this is, this competition's kind of been brewing because I think that Chuck had, had always been talking so much smack, like, oh, Colin, I can beat you. And we'd all kind of been reserved because we're like, oh, Chuck, like Colin is, is better than you now. But Chuck kind of came out the gates uh, at the BPO playing really well, and he continued his performance at Maryland National. I mean, the guys, I think he kind of lost a few tee shots toward the end, but I mean, the guy's hitting it really well. Like, he's going to have to renegotiate this, uh, this deal with Colin because it's, it's, it's way too much in his favor right now. Yeah, I mean, he can't start a fire to save a life, but his golf game looks great. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Chuck, verified not a fire starter. So I want to jump back to the league play. Colin, how are you feeling about your game? Now we're a couple months into league. You got a couple good scores posted. How are you feeling? Well, Ben, I really have to thank you for giving me that private lesson with my swing. It's yeah, really, really yeah, it was my free, too. Free lesson. Showed up to the driving range. Ben just came on a Saturday morning and watched me swing for an hour. What a guy. That's why those rounds take seven hours. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I mean, I'm hitting my irons well. Short game's always been there. It's just I can't get off the tee. Uh, I played up at a – we played a Florida scramble format with uh, my dad's high school friends. Tippy and I went up there to their – "Quote unquote country club meadow." <laughs> Twenty nine dollars Saturday morning at eight. Yeah, fair way. Raise our little lax up there, Meadowbrook. If you're listening, you gotta start selling beer at the clubhouse. That's how you. That's how you. Uh, Wait, they you don't sell tournament. beer. No, I went in no at the turn and came back with the Snickers. Well, yeah, you gotta bring that. your own. And the sugar is almost. Yeah, the sugar will get you. You gotta be careful. But uh, yeah, shout out to Randy for organizing that. That's a fun time. Shout out, to a, Randy. Shout out, Randy. 16, shout out Dirty Randy. They get a group of 16 to go up there <laughs> and play four perch. teams of four, Florida Scramble, um, which is basically you get a good tee shot, so you're hitting from the fairway every time. Yeah, don't don't let Colin gloss over this. He goes, ah, I can't get off the tee well. We use the tee shot, and we use like 11 of Colin's tee shots. Well, anyway, what, yeah, I, I, I don't know. It's, yeah. I'm just so What'd you shoot, even par on the back nine, Colin? Yeah, I shot even par on the back nine, 74 to finish. But, like, that just shows you. I, I The following week, I go and shoot an 89. So, there, it's a 15-stroke difference when I actually have to play my tee shot. So, there's the weakness to my game right there. All right, we've diagnosed your game. Tully's is still up for interpretation. <laughs> yeah. And my clothes well, are still in the trunk. <laughs> yeah, and then update on Ken's golf since the golf trip. He has not played. It's been three weeks. Uh, his clubs are actually still in the back of my truck, so maybe he'll get them tonight. Yeah, but I took an Uber. <laughs> <laughs> Someone's got to drive you home. You're fine. Our theory with Ken is that he, we're waiting for the next big challenger or big player challenger mm. series, so Ken's doing uh, his load management. How are we, look, weeks how how we looking on that goal for uh, three straight greens reg? I'm going to call out Mickey, and I'm going to call out... <laughs> 
I think my three straight uh, greens and rag next time I golf. I think Ken, Ken's goal guarantee, was... It's a goddamn guarantee. Ken, oh, I think Ken's goal wow. was he wanted to play 10 rounds before the BPO. I don't think he's played 10 rounds this year yet. Whoa. <laughs> I, he's probably right at, right at right After the golf trip, he's probably right at I did. I think range sessions count, you know? No. Like <laughs> I did five. So I think back to our round at uh, Maryland National, uh, what were you guys' thoughts on the course? I think it was in absolutely amazing shape. It's always that course that doesn't matter where you are, you get a good picture. It was so much fun. It just took me a while to figure out how to chip on those greens. Uh, like Colin said, we played up at Meadowbrook where if you hit a chip on the green, it was stopping about three inches past where it landed. <laughs> and then I have to go and play Maryland National where I was hitting what I thought were great chips and they would roll 18 feet past the hole. So yeah, it looked great. But when you actually looked at my performance on the course, it did not look quite so great. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Like, as someone, maybe, you know, we don't necessarily compress the ball, so it's going to spin all fancy, like, you know, how the pros do. I felt like I had to, like, hit the ball, like, 10 yards shorter, so then it would roll so it was roughly in the right spot when off those greens. And that's the only thing that ever saved my day. It was, they were so fast. I think it's kind of interesting. You don't really, like, we didn't see elevated scores there, but I think that course played tougher. But I think when you go to nice courses, the greens always roll really nicely, right? So you're always picking up a couple shots on the greens. Um, I don't know. Maybe it's just like playing a nice course, picture rest of your game up. But you're right. Chipping around those greens was brutal. Same with, same with Worthington. I mean, we play these courses... The most of the courses we play on a run-of-the-mill weekend, you're right, the greens are pretty flat, they're pretty slow, but we go play these courses. You really got to think your way around these courses. Well, I think my problem was I got rattled early when we showed up there. I went to go hit a couple balls on the range, realized I didn't have balls on the range anymore, so then I was thrown <laughs> off, and then I was like, all right, well, let's just go get a drink. Oh, that's we, amazing. We, we, find out, we find out our tab is $80 for the four drinks we got, so now I'm just trying to figure out what am I going to do for the rest of the round. How am I going to stay drunk? I'll get something from the cart girl, and then it's a $10 drink from the cart girl, and I'm just all thrown off. It's not my Miller lights that I'm used to. Yeah, that, that, it was kind of a nice though change of pace for us. I was for at least for Ben and I, we got to play what I would say arguably the two best courses in the Frederick County area, Maryland National and Worthington Manor. And I gotta say, I'm gonna. I don't know if it's the recency bias of you know I've played a little better at Maryland National. But I think that's my favorite course in the area. I think it's a little bit more bang for your buck than some of the other courses uh, that are in that like kind of top tier level. And it was just, it was really fun. And we have some memories there. We've done some, uh, you know, draft fantasy football draft deciding Debauchery. on that course. Yeah. Where it's literally, yeah, we're, we're having a great time. Plenty of uh, drinks flowing. Maybe it was before all that inflation that took place of those $20 transfusions. Unbelievable. Maybe that's, maybe that's why I couldn't put on those greens. Podcast. Yeah, maybe I couldn't put on those greens because the last time I played there, I was putting with my driver, driver. the whole time. That was Tyler's uh, fantasy football oh, punishment, punishment, which will go down as wow. one of the one of the worst punishments ever. It was Speaking not even of, Ken, you going to go to Waffle House anytime soon? Uh, yeah, when I get hungry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but we, we need to get Maryland National to have some of them for craft transfusions because whatever they were selling was way too expensive. Yeah, that's our mistake, right? We didn't have our forecraft with us, but we got them loaded up in the fridge now, so we'll be prepared next mm-hmm. time. I think, well, yeah, to your point, Tully, we're really lucky. We have Maryland National, Musket Ridge, and then Whiskey Creek, I think, are three of probably the, uh, arguably the top 10 public courses in Maryland, and we got them all here in Frederick County, so we don't get out to whiskey as much, a little bit on the pricey end, but we can find really good deals at Maryland National, even Worthington, throw that in the list, right? We got four mm-hmm. courses in Frederick County that might be top 10 in Maryland. Yeah, I mean, Worthington was just, you know, a U.S. Open qualifying site, so. And they are year in and year out. Yeah, so, I mean, it's it's a cool, we have a a pretty solid setup here, you know, all things considered. Cool. All right. That does it for us tonight. Thanks for joining us. Make sure to go follow us on Instagram at Big Players Only Pod. We'll catch you next week.